Welcome to the podcast where we track down Australian war veterans, have a chat with them and hear their stories. I'm Alex Lloyd and this is Life on the Line. The single greatest sacrifice I've made is my family. There were a couple of public beheadings. In order to kill them, you've got to be a little bit angry. Not psychotic, but just angry. We could look down Frankfurt and see it on fire. Stuff blowing up everywhere. There will be no surrender. And then they had to fight an enemy in amongst we got children. Point, right? you're going to a I could never often. not go back. They were my friends and they felt She did say, you've changed. Soldier put everything on the line to help one of our blokes. After meeting in the podcast, panel, Australian Infantry Against the Odds, Peter Slacksmith, a veteran of Delta Company, 6 RAR, and survivor of the Battle of Long Tan, wished to thank David Buckwalter, a Vietnam veteran of Alpha Company, 6 RAR, for the role A Company's soldiers played in that bloody battle. It is important to note that David was not personally a part of the A Company force that rolled in to assist D Company. At the time, David was at battalion headquarters as a signaller. Nevertheless, Peter wished to give David a symbolic thank you. This is their conversation. Today, it's my absolute pleasure to be joined in our studio by two of our previous guests. I'm talking with Peter Slack-Smith. Thank you, Angus. And here's David. Well, thanks, Angus. Pleasure to be here again as usual. Peter, when I met you down at the War Memorial and I first bounced this idea off you and I told you about this guy, Buck Walter, how he was part of Alpha Company, the relief force at Long Tan, I still remember your first words were that you'd never had a chance to properly thank any of those boys for saving your bacon. So here's David Buck Walter. What have you got to say to him? David, of course, a very, very long debt repaid here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I got Charles Mollison, the last reunion. We were discussing the same thing. Charles has got about as much hair as you have left. I stepped in front of him and kissed him on the forehead. I said, this is what I think about you, Charles. And I think he almost shed a tear and said, I've waited 50 years for that. And sorry, Peter, who is Charles? Charles Mollison was the company commander of A Company. So he was David's boss. Yeah, that's correct. I think, you know, Charles is one of the or the most important person that you talk to because he, over the years, has copped a lot of abuse, a lot of uh, thanklessness about his effort at Long Tan. And in reality, if it wasn't for Charles, I doubt whether the APTs would have got there as quickly as they did due to the situation of having different branches of the army only reporting to their own command structure and not being under control of the infantry. Charles had great difficulty getting the APCs out there to rescue Delta Company. So, Peter, I remember you talking to us about the action and how it had been a really close struggle. And yes, the artillery were a key facet, but your description of that beautiful noise of the APCs coming, I mean, as you've explained to us before, if it wasn't for the APCs and the boys, how do we know that Charlie would have disengaged and they didn't actually keep going and, in fact, we may sadly not even know each other. We really don't know, and I don't know that we'll ever know. We can't 
get a sufficiently accurate picture from the other side because they, they seem to remain captured by their propaganda that was uh, issued at the time. You must remember they were fighting a political war. We were fighting a military war. The outcome of the battle was probably not so important to them. It's what they could sell it to the population as, and they may well have been successful. I think it was a rather difficult task after what had happened. Dave, you personally were at battalion headquarters as a signaller when others in A Company went in to save Peter and his mates. But how did your company feel at this stage, knowing the kind of heavy resistance they were rolling into? Well, I think we did have a, a pretty fair idea of what was going on out there. We remember that uh, Alpha Company had been out there for three days prior to the battle. Under duress, Charles had withdrawn, under orders, had withdrawn back to task force. He didn't want to, and I've talked to some of the boys over the last few days, including uh, Bob Toyer, who was platoon commander of 3 Platoon and was out in front at the time, right at the top end of Nui Dat 2. And I'm sure that if we hadn't have been withdrawn, it would have been Alpha Company that would have been involved in the Battle of Long Tan instead of Delta Company. No question about that. On the other points that you made, I, you know, about whether they would have withdrawn or not, the two significant things were that when uh, two platoon in the uh, in the armour personal carriers made contact with the enemy, they were coming around to outflank Delta Company, and I think they would have uh, made a lot of damage to Delta Company. It would have put the artillery in a difficult position because they wouldn't have been able to engage both groups of Vietnamese. And of course, just as uh, as Peter says, the noise of those tanks coming through would have been music. They knew what the capability of those armoured personnel carriers was. They knew they had the heavy machine guns on top, so that most probably was enough incentive to get the hell out. Well, actually, to your point, as Peter alluded to in our previous interview, the 50 cal fire off those APCs was just devastating. How would you rate the intelligence or perhaps the lack of intelligence in this engagement? It's a travesty. Unfortunately, I've been chasing a guy who was the intelligence officer at Task Force, but the information I have was that they were receiving radio signals from the Vietnamese that there was a large contingent of Vietnamese regular forces from North Vietnamese regular forces in the area not far away. That was seen to be withheld from our battalion commander, which was just criminal. criminal. When Alpha Company was out there on those three days beforehand, all the platoons had contact with the enemy. The enemy were all in green uniforms. They weren't in black pyjamas, which was the normal South Vietnamese. They all retreated south. They spied the uh, enemy carrying the mortar base plates the day before they uh, mortared the task force. One of the contacts, they killed an officer who had a notebook in his hands, in his pack, and that described what they were supposed to be going to do with the fire orders as far as the mortars were concerned. And did they capture those? They captured those notebook. And then then two sections of three platoon came across the telephone cable. Now, people in the South, in the, you know, the Vietnam, Viet Cong, they don't have radio equipment. They don't have telephone wires. If you're going to have a telephone cable system, when you've got sophisticated radio equipment, it's got to be a big unit. They wanted to keep the transmission quiet between the two ends of the, 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 the telephone cable. You were sharing before how there was an American who decided to take a jolly on one of your APCs. What happened to him, Dave? 
Well, I, the story goes that he uh, decided to uh, see what a, a battle was all about and uh, boarded one of the APCs and uh, when we dismounted out in the field, uh, there he was and uh, one of our guys, Ross Smith, spied him and thought he was a Vietnamese because he was looked a bit different and had his rifle trained on him until he realised who he was. The guy had just gone along for a ride to see what a battle was like. There weren't too many people in history <laughs> who did that, I mean, for sure. Anybody had the, I mean, that opportunity would be going the opposite direction. And Peter, you'd been explaining before that you hadn't been involved in any major engagements up to this extent at this time. In retrospect, I look back on it now to see things with the supposed wisdom of old age, what was going on. As David just mentioned, a few of those intricacies with the communications and their abilities. I think their radio of the 5th VC Division that had been tracked quite a number of days, forming a plotted course towards Nui Dat. I believe that and the signal cable and the rest of the paraphernalia, I think they were all bait. I think they were all designed to be found and they laid a, a trail of bait so thick only matched by how slow with which we were to pick it up. I realise now that a lot of the things that we saw over there were not really what they were. For instance, the little kid on the buffalo in the field that seemed to have strayed into the free fire zone. He was guiding the buffalo with a stick and I see him in my dreams now and I realised what he was. He was a cockatoo. He was signalling with that little stick to the Viet Cong who were hidden at a point somewhere on the other side of the paddy field. The old lady with the baskets of innocuous vegetables beside the push bike, she was a cockatoo too. <laughs> they had us. If there had been a force of the size of 274, 275 regiments, or, the, or you could say the bulk of... Uh, 5 VC Division could move so close to our task force without at least some of the local population having knowledge of the logistics that would be required to support a unit that big was not sympathetic enough to relay that information to us. And I have the con not a conclusion, but I have a very strong suspicion in my mind that at perhaps an even higher level in the task force, they knew we were going to be attacked and wanted us to be attacked. I say suspicions. I have no evidence of that. Everything doesn't, in the way of intelligence evidence, doesn't add up to me. David, can I just go back to the intel on this battle? You know, we've got Peter's account with Delta Company in the field. We've got you with the Alpha Company boys. Why is it that we couldn't seem to use the information that Alpha Company had acquired to the benefit of our forces better? I think commanders over there were more looking at protecting their own rear end, concerned about a, an invasion by Vietnamese on the task force headquarters. They took the wrong approach on how that should be best defended. Withdrawing all the troops back to the base camp, to me, would have been a poor way of defending it because we're spread out in the wrong direction. If, if we're out in the field, we're able to actually control the enemy better. It just should have happened that way. So Peter, in your isolated position at Long Tan and in hindsight, you heard about the intelligence that Alpha Company and the other boys were acquiring. It seems a great pity that a bit more information didn't get through to you guys that you could make better use of the intel we had. By the end of the 17th, there was enough intel in that I think you could give it to 
half a dozen 15-year-old high school kids as a problem to solve and asked what the conclusions of that intelligence added to. And I think they'd have made a better fist of it than what we, our guys, did. After the mortar attack on the task force, Bravo Company was sent out to look for the base plate, which they found, I think, 8 o'clock in the morning or something like that. Due to pre-arrangements being made for a lot of Bravo Company to go on RNC, those that were scheduled to go on RNC, RNC being rest convalescent down in Vung Tau, about two-thirds of Bravo Company went back to base camp and went on RNC. That was criminal when they had obviously had tangible, you know, evidence. tangible in, e- evidence out there. And then the other information that I've already recounted about what Alpha Company found should have made a different approach. A Company shouldn't have been never withdrawn from the, from the field. They should have been kept out there. Delta Company should have been sent out. We would have had two companies out there to do the job that one company were trying to do. And we could have had Bravo Company as a reserve position with the normal two up, one in reserve, the way we tended to operate. Gentlemen, what you're obviously sharing is just another example of these fog of war situations where we don't have a perfect map in front of us with all the facts laid out. It's amazing that you survived, Peter, and the other boys from Delta Company, because certainly if David and the Alpha and Bravo boys had been in the fight with you, it would have made it a fairer match for you, but you guys still acquitted yourselves magnificently. We are so grateful for your service and we thank you for coming and sharing your amazing stories with us again today. Very kind of you, Angus. Thanks, Angus. If you haven't already, be sure to listen to the episode called Panel, Australian Infantry Against the Odds for more about the Battle of Long Tan and two other significant Australian conflicts. You can also find out more about David's experiences in Vietnam in his conversation with me in Season 1. Number 5, David Buckwalter. Follow us on social media. We're at LOTLpod on Twitter and at Life on the Line Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Our website is www.lifeonthelinepodcast.com. Find out more about the show and sign up online to our e-newsletter. Life on the Line is brought to you by Thistle Productions. Artwork by Big Cat Design. Music by Dan Van Werkhoven. Thanks for listening. Unless we forget. <laughs> <laughs>